0: We're going to read today out of Mark chapter 7, finish up the chapter. And, and I'll tell you, I started to preach this last week with the Samaritan woman, or the Gentile woman, or, or uh, the, the Syro Phoenician woman. She has lots of names. Depends on the translation, depends on how you want to introduce her. And, and, and I started to add this scripture. To that, and 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 I think it was because I would never really looked at this scripture in detail. I've always tagged it onto the end of the story, but I'm glad that I didn't. I think it was in the order of the Lord that I did not just tag it onto the end of her story. Number one, because I think her story is very unique, and 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 it, in. Uh, deserves to be told by itself. Another reason is I think, as I started to really delve into this, that this deaf man's story, though we don't know his name, another one of those characters that appear for a few verses and then vanish again, I believe there is so much here that that I'm glad that we take a Sunday and a sermon just for it. We're going to read Mark 7, 31 through 37. He says, Again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay hands on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, "Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed. And he began to speak plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them, the more wildly they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying he does all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, dear God, for your truth. Ever help us to proclaim it as you would see fit. Help us, oh God, to ever be true to your word. And help us to learn and to understand, to open our hearts to your word, that we may carry it with us and it can be that light unto our path. In Jesus' name, Amen. If I just want to put a title to this, and I kind of am, it would be something common throughout Mark's Gospel. We find it in 4, chapter 4, verse 9. We find it in chapter 4, verse 23 and throughout, and it is this. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now we start this text, if you will, Another kind of just a real short introduction that really involved quite a bit. So we find that Jesus leaves Tyre and then goes through Saddam to the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've studied New Testament geography, you realize that that's kind of like going from New York to Chicago via Boston. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's kind of a meandering path, a long way around, if you will, through the foothills of what we would call modern-day Lebanon. It, it, it's one of those uh, routes where no doubt it was purposeful to make it long. He wasn't wanting to just go to, to Tyre and then go to Sidon and then go to the Sea of Galilee, but it, he actually kind of goes north to Sidon. Quite a bit, probably close to 30 miles north. He comes back around, wraps around the Sea of Galilee and goes to the east coast. When you look at it on a map, he's kind of almost backtracking. And I thought about doing some kind of a visual, but they're zigzagging quite a bit. They're not traveling from place to place seemingly with a purpose. But I think it is, as we mentioned last week, I think the purpose is to be alone with his disciples and to teach them. And so we just catch little glimpses of this journey that no doubt was weeks or months long. And he comes to the region of Decapolis. Now, any bit of Greek you understand that Decapolis is deca, means ten, and polis, meaning cities. So it's a group of ten cities. Although by the time we get to Jesus' time, we don't know how many cities there actually are. It was named that during the Greek Empire... and there was 10, but we know at one point there's as high as 22, and and it it drops down. So in Jesus' time, we don't know how many cities are there, nor do do we know which city he goes to. He's just in that area along the Sea of Galilee, which is known as Decapolis. But, But he comes there, and this is an area that's inhabited both by Jew and Gentile but probably is predominantly Gentile or Roman or Greek, however you want to say it. And he enters into this area. He meanders around and they come down to Decapolis and the crowd hears that he's there. He, he's like I say, he's still at the peak. He's in his last year of ministry. His, his fame precedes him. And everywhere he goes, once it's discovered that he's there, the people flock to him. And it is here that we find him entering this area and and the people flocking to him and they bring to him a man that is unable to hear. So they bring him this deaf man. Now, it seems that this man has always been deaf. It seems like it's from birth. And the way that we get that is that he has a hard time speaking. Now, the, the, the words used here for this impediment... Now, my, my translation says he had an impediment of his tongue. But, but some translations uh, get it different. The, the New Living says that it's a speech impediment. Some say that he spoke with difficulty. And the reason for all of these different translations here... It's because of the Greek word that's given in the original text. <clears throat> See, the, the Greek word in the original is a true apex legomenon. It's a true, it's only used one time in Greek literature, and it's right here. So anytime we have a word that's only used one time, you'll have a variation. Now, we know the root. We know the root word. We know the pretext. We know all of these things, so we can get it, pretty clear picture of what it means. But it's hard to narrow it down to an exact meaning. So was the man mute? Did he have a hard time speaking? I believe this. I think the context and everything involved. The reason this word was kind of made for the scripture, if you will, is because the takeaway is he wasn't mute because he wasn't able to speak. He was mute because he was unable to hear. You know, we've all ha- have seen people that were deaf. They have difficulty speaking. It's not because they physically cannot speak. It's because they were unable to learn to speak because they could not hear. So they bring this man to Jesus, and they and they bring him and they say, "Here, we want you to lay hands on him." They no doubt have heard that he lays hands on people and he heals them. He takes away their their problems, anything that, that, that's not perfect, He changes. So they bring Him to Him and they say, lay hands on Him that He can hear. But here we find that Jesus does something different. He takes the man away from the crowd. takes him by Himself. He wants that one-on-one attention. He also wants to... to Jesus had no desire for His miracles to be a spectacle. He didn't want people to follow him. In fact, he even sometimes rebukes the crowd, doesn't he? He says, you only follow me for my fishes and for the loaves and for the miracles. But his message was deeper than that. His message was a transformation of man. It was repentance and forgiveness of sin. His message was a message to make ourselves right with God. Not simply miracles. And so he didn't want... To be known just strictly for miracles. So he takes the man to the side. Now you know it kind of makes you wonder about some today, doesn't it? Their whole ministry is the sideshow. They want a big crowd, and they want to supposedly do miracles, and they want as many people there, and they want the excitement and 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 all but Jesus wasn't like that. He wanted to pull people aside, he wanted to be known for his preaching. For redemption, not just for the miracles. So he takes the man aside and gets along with him. And then, once he's aside, once he gets aside, where Jesus can focus just on him. So that's one thing I love about the Lord, isn't it? He's, he's personal. He wasn't just another random guy that he was going to heal. He wasn't just somebody that they pushed to the front of the crowd to him. It was never the case. It was always personal to him. He always got to know him. He always knew him. He always, it meant something when he healed somebody. Because he wasn't in it for the show. He was in it for mankind. And so he takes him aside so that he can focus just on this man. He wants it to be just him. And that's how the Lord wants us to be when we get alone with him. He wants it just to be us. And when he gets him alone, he starts a sequence of events, of actions, puts his fingers in his ears. Now, for years and years, for many people, this sequence of actions have been puzzling. Because he puts his fingers in his ears. He touches his tongue. He looks up to heaven. He sighs and then he cries out. Now, that is kind of puzzling until until you take yourself out of where you're at and put yourself in to where the deaf man is. You know, most of us have been in a situation where we've been around somebody that just didn't understand. Have you not? Uh, maybe it was one of your children. Maybe it was a, an aging loved one that was suffering with dementia. And you're trying to help them, but you can tell by the look on their face they're horrified. And they just cannot understand what you're doing. They just don't know. All they know is it's uncomfortable, it hurts. Whatever the situation, there's a bunch of people around them that they don't know. Uh, You know, maybe wear a mask if it's something medically. And they just don't understand. So you can imagine this man, he's deaf. He can see the crowds. He knows that they brought him to this healer. They really don't understand what's going on. So Jesus takes him aside. And so don't view this as some kind of ritual, some kind of magic trick. That's not what's going on here. But put yourself in the deaf man's place. He's always been deaf. I don't know if he even really understood what healing meant. You know, if you've always been sick, you don't know what well means. And it's not that deaf is sick, but if you've always been deaf, he really doesn't know what hearing means. He has no baseline for it. No understanding. So, so Jesus takes him aside, takes him out of that crazy, chaotic situation and takes him aside and begins to show you, you can see the compassion in Jesus' actions. When he takes him aside and he puts his fingers in his ears, he's indicating what he's going to do. How else would you speak to someone who is deaf? There wasn't a universal sign language. You know, I can remember when our kids were young, we always tried to just be straightforward with them when they went to the doctor and what have you. You know, our kids would ask, are I going to go get a shot? Yep, get ready for it, it's coming. <laughs> you know, we're going to go get lab work done. Or Does that mean a shot? Yeah, they're going to draw blood. Because I didn't want them to be surprised. I felt like that they... You know, maybe they did suffer some anxiety on the way. But at least they knew what was going to happen. And, and I think that's what Jesus is doing here. So he takes the man aside. He puts his fingers in his ears. He's letting him know, I'm, I'm going to do something here. He touches his tongue. He lets him know that this is what's going to happen. And then Jesus looks into heaven, the source of his power. You know, when he broke the bread to feed the five thousand, what did he do? He looked up into heaven. He's letting people know this is where the power actually comes from. It comes from God. He takes a deep sigh to show concern, compassion. Even the deaf man, he could see him take that sigh. He understood what that meant, no doubt. He's showing his sympathy, and then he cries out. And I love this. He, he cries out, "Ephatha!" Now, what is neat about that word is we have no idea where that word came from. It might be Aramaic, probably, but it might be Hebrew also. It's another one of those words that's never used, so we don't know. But Lord, but the Lord in His genius, in His foresight, in His all-knowing, so that we don't make that an abracadabra, He gives us the translation. Be open. So we know what the word means it means be open because it's it's translated right there in the text for us so that we didn't grab hold of it and make it some kind of magic word it's simply he was saying be open so we think but so so he cries out he shows the man what he's going to do and then he does it he cries out be open and as soon as he cries out to be open what happens well, literally, I think of this. I think the man heard him say that. Because why I'll say it when nobody else is there? It's just him and the man. He has him alone. And he cries out, be open. I think the man heard it. I think the man heard it. I think that was the first thing he ever heard in his life, was the Lord said, be open. And instantly, his hearing is granted. Now, now if we're not careful, we'll skip through one of the greatest miracles here. Because remember, he has an inability to speak because he couldn't hear. Right? It wasn't that he had some kind of mechanical problem where he could not speak or some kind of a neurological problem that, that did not allow him to speak. But instead, he couldn't speak because he couldn't hear. And the Lord opens his ears. And he says there, he says, and his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed. Now, that word there that, that, that speaks of his impediment of his tongue being removed, and, and I try not to go to the original too awful much, but he says, and then he began speaking plainly. It's ortho. That's why we go to the orthodontist, that's why we go to the orthopedic surgeon. It means to make straight. You know, we go to the orthodontist when our teeth are crooked because he's the guy that makes them straight. It means ortho. It means he spoke perfectly. He spoke straight. He didn't have to learn his consonants. He didn't have to learn his vowels. He didn't have to start with cat or dad that or mom. He literally, he was his, his ears were open and then he had mastery of Aramaic. He spoke plainly. He spoke real. He spoke words. He spoke sentences. He understood what things were. He did not have to be taught. He knew. And I just think that is super neat there when you think about it. His his ears were open. His tongue was loosed. And then he orders them not to tell anybody. Now think of that. No doubt the man was in a dilemma. Have you ever thought of that? Lord, I couldn't hear or speak a word. Now you say don't tell anybody. The minute I say something, they're going to know something happened. The minute I take a glance at somebody when they say my name, they're going to know something happened. I really can't keep it a secret. You know, it's not that Jesus didn't so much when He told people, I don't want you telling this. It wasn't that He thought they wouldn't tell it. He knew better than that. But He wanted not to be known for His miracles because His miracles had a deeper meaning than the than, than miracle in and of itself. And He knew that that was not going to be understood by most. Now if we remember last week we, had, we, had, we ran into a lady that understood. She had ears to hear. But even His disciples didn't have ears to hear at this time. She's the first. She grasped it right off. But He knows it's not until His resurrection. His ascension into heaven, that people are going to understand what these miracles mean, the purpose behind them. They wasn't just miracles to be miracles; they had a purpose for them, and He knew they wouldn't grasp it. How many times? I, I didn't write down any of the reference, but how many times in the Book of Acts and, and even in the latter parts of the Gospels are the disciples and they it said, it speaks how that, and then they understood what He had said before. It was like all of a sudden they remember, oh, that's right, Jesus told us that. That's what that meant. Because suddenly they had ears to hear. They had ears to hear. So he told them, he said, I don't want you to go tell anyone. But the more he told them, the more they they just proclaimed it. They proclaimed it. His ears were opened. He was able to hear. And what that points to is this. Our ears are often blocked. Our ears are often shut off to the voice of God. We don't have ears to hear naturally. In fact, we have ears that don't hear naturally. We're deaf spiritually speaking, if you will. The reason we cannot truly praise the Lord with our lips is because we can't truly hear His Word. We're shut off, if you will. We need our ears opened so that our mouths can actually speak. That's what he's pointing out here and we come down to the end and I love this and this is the, the last verse is he said they uh, they were utterly astonished now that utterly astonished I'm not going we'll to break it all down and sometimes i I, I give too much of the recipe and, and but but that's another word that was kind of put together for this this text it would be like us saying something on the on the the, the uh, on the way of saying they were very, 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 very much surprised. You know, or something like that. It's kind of a word that was put together and it means absolutely shocked. They, so, so they were utterly astonished saying He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. And here are these people, though they knew not God, they were pointing out. Now, they, I, I like to think that they were Gentile. And I'll tell you one reason is in their ignorance and in their unbiased opinion, they were pointing back to Isaiah. They were pointing back and and pointing out that Jesus actually fulfilled some of the prophecies of the the Messiah. In Isaiah 35, verse 5, he says, "...then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall shout for joy." For the waters will break forth in the wilderness, and the streams, and there, in the desert. He, he, they were pointing back to that, showing that Jesus came. And, and now, when we think of this in Isaiah 35, He's not only speaking there physically; He's speaking of physical, of spiritual deliverance. Sometimes we just grab hold of the physical. We like to go back and, and read there, and, and, and you know that we are healed by His stripes; we are healed. But He's actually talking about f- spiritual healing. We are healed spiritually, and this our, our ears are opened, our tongues are loose, our eyes can see. They're open to Him. We cannot see until Jesus gives us sight. We cannot walk until Jesus corrects our lameness. We'll never be able to hear like we should until Jesus restores our hearing. If we ask Him, He'll do these things. He'll give us the ability to hear His Word. He'll give us the ability to truly praise His name. He'll give us the ability to walk in His statutes and to walk on the path toward heaven. He was giving us a glimpse in this Scripture. He was showing us with this one man why He came, why He was there, what His ability really is. We just have to take advantage of it. We need not to just read it as as just one little incident. Well, it's just Jesus doing miracles. No, they all have a meaning. They all have a reason. They all have something for us today. And that is whatever it is that is clouding our ears. You know, these past few months in particular, we have so much going on. We're hearing so much. You know, I I read a little thing the other day that said uh I uh, wonder if the guy that's sitting by the waterfall, something about a guy sitting by a waterfall without a cell phone realizes how scary he's supposed to be. You know, out in the woods with no cell phone, does he really realize how scary he's supposed to be? But, but these, these past few months and, and what's going on now, if we're not careful, we let it fill our ears up. And, 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 and the more we have our ears filled up and, and, and the more rhetoric that's coming in, if we're not careful, we, we shut out Jesus. We shut out God. We're not able to hear Him. We're not able to sing. We're not able to, to, to act upon His Word because we, we let it make us lame. We let it make us mute. We let it make us deaf. So, But we, we have a Savior that cares about us as individuals. That looks down and He wants us to get along with Him. To get aside with Him just like this man. And He wants to touch us. And free up our ears so that we can hear. And free up our tongues so that we can sing his praises and we can testify about his goodness. To give us the ability to walk. To give us eyes to see more than just all the tragedy that's around us. But to see his way and to see hope. And to see that we can make it into heaven. We can make this all good. You know, we can. We don't have to be scared of everything that's going on. Now, I'm not one of these preachers that get up here and just, you know, you ignore it and what? to no. But we don't have to live in total fear. We have a Savior that can that can open our ears so that we can hear His promises. Just like this man. He went away. He was happy. Everybody could sit all over him. I know the Lord told him not to tell, but like I said, I don't know how he couldn't have. Because once he spoke one word, people want to know something happened. Something's different. And we can be that same way. People can see the difference in us if we just let the Lord open our ears. You know, when the Lord stuck His fingers in this man's ears, if He would have objected, the Lord probably wouldn't have healed him. It was up to him. He made the commitment. He allowed it to happen. And that's the same thing with us. Let us pray that the Lord would ever open our ears that we can hear His Word, that we can drown out all the noise and just get to the Lord. If everyone would stand. Would anyone like to pray at the altar this morning? Maybe they're uh, going back. Kind of drowning out. and Maybe you've had a hard time and and, uh, you'd just like to get along with God and say, Lord, I want my ears open. I want my eyesight restored. I want to be able to walk in your path. I need your your, your miracles. I know that you, create, you perform miracles in the Bible and He still performs them today. Sometimes we do need one. And we need to realize that when we do see God, when we do speak to God and God's Word speaks to us, when He does convict us of something or, or maybe points out something in our lives that shouldn't be that way, realize that's a miracle. That's not the natural man. That's grace. That's God looking down trying to conform us to His will. His image so that we can live with Him in heaven. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness. Oh God, ever give us ears to hear. Ever keep us in your word, oh God. Ever keep us faithful to you. Oh Father, ever help us to find time alone to get with you, dear Father, and ever let you heal us of our deafness. To Ever let you heal us, dear God, and, and allow us to speak your praises as we should. Oh, Father, we pray just now that you would walk with us throughout this week, that you'd ever keep your truth and your grace and your mercy fresh upon our minds. Give us traveling mercies throughout the week. Help everyone that's at work, dear God. Bless their endeavors so that they ever may share you and share your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.